Greetings to all our listeners, and welcome to Shear Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Fellowship of Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. We give all glory and honor and praises to our Lord Jesus Christ that we are able to bring you this message in our study series on Heavenly Authority. My name is Patty Scalzo. We will be rejoining my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, as he continues his sermon on Balaam and as he continues to draw the distinction between the prophet of God and the man of God. Last time we ended, we saw Balak, the king of Moab, send his men with the diviner's fee to Balaam to entice Balaam to come to him and curse Israel. At the end of the program, I will be giving an address where you can write to us. But for now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg in the study. Now, Balaam is called by Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, Balaam is called the prophet. But Balak is part of that culture, that cultural slide away from God's truth down to demonism. In his mind, so what's the difference? If prophet, if diviner, if sorcerer, he simply wants to discern and manipulate the heavenlies. And Balaam seems to have the best track record. And so he sends these men there. He sends the diviner's fee, the fee that was common in that day to have the sorcerer work his talents, work his craft for his client. Verse 8. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam. So they bring the word to Balaam of what Balak spoke, and Balaam says to them, Lodge here tonight, I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stay at Balaam's house as Balaam goes and seeks the Lord. Notice first that Balaam doesn't reject the money straight out. There's some very subtle things in this section which we have to be aware of. He doesn't say no to the diviner's fee straight out. Then notice that Balaam calls in the name of Yahweh. Right? He says, Lodge here, I will bring back word to you as the Lord. And in your Bible, you'll notice that Lord is all in capitals. So in the Hebrew, that's Yahweh. He calls on the name of Yahweh, as Yahweh speaks to me. And notice, he, unlike Balak, has a sense, a keen sense, of the reality and the power and the existence of a personal God. He has to wait upon him. He has to wait upon his word. And we'll see that Balaam recognizes God as a source, unlike Balak. And that he can accomplish nothing without the Lord. God is a personal God to him. And he clearly understands that he cannot go beyond the word of the Lord. That's why he's a prophet. Verse 9. Then God came to Balaam. God came to Balaam. Balaam is his prophet. Then God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? He's communicating with Balaam. He knows who the men are. So Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Look, a people has come out 
of Egypt, and they cover the face of the earth. Come now, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to overpower them and drive them out. Now look at verse 12. And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. Now, is God's will very clear here? Extremely clear, right? You shall not go with them. What does that mean? You shall not go with them. You shall not curse this people. What does that mean? You can't place a curse on them. For they are blessed. Yahweh declares Israel blessed. He has ordained it to be so, and it cannot be changed. So if we're going to understand what comes after this, we have to understand that God makes his will very clear to Balaam, straight off. Verse 13, Balaam listens. He, so Balaam rose in the morning, and he said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord Yahweh has refused to give me permission to go with you. Now, you wonder if at this point, when he says Yahweh has refused to give him permission, if Balaam is saying this because he knows God is all good, he agrees with God, he now knows God's will, and he doesn't want to side with the wrong side. He doesn't want to be on Balak's side. He doesn't want to go with Balak's men. Or is he saying it because he simply knows, as a prophet, how the Lord works? And if he can't get permission from Yahweh to go, nothing supernatural is going to happen anyway. In other words, he has a knowledge of God. He knows God is all-powerful. But is he necessarily aligned with him in his heart? The prophet's words versus the prophet's heart. Is it instead almost like a child who says, no, nah, I can't go today, my parents won't let me go. Is that the way Balaam's saying it? What happens after this, I think, will clarify Balaam's heart. Verse 14. And the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. So besides the money now, he's sending the top guys in the kingdom, the top princes of Moab and Midian. There's prestige now. There's power. Money, prestige, power. And they came to Balaam, verse 16, and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming to me, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come, curse this people for me. It almost gets humorous. Please come and curse them. I will certainly honor you greatly. I will do whatever you say to me. Money, honor, position, power. He can give direction to kings. He can give direction to princes. Notice that Balak has given no regard for the revelation from Balaam's personal God. Right? His men have come back and told him what Balaam has said, that God's not gonna, going to curse them. And that doesn't move Balak whatsoever. The heavenlies to him can be bought and can be sold in his ignorant view. Let nothing hinder you. Please come and curse this people for me. You know, sometimes as believers, because we're blessed with a knowledge of the Word of God, 
we know how we're supposed to respond to temptation. Like Balaam knew how he was supposed to respond to the messengers of Balak once God said, don't go with them. Don't go with them. Don't curse those people. They're blessed. Sometimes we know how we're supposed to respond, and we do. And we do what's right, and we make the sacrifice, so to speak. But then in our sinful self, we dwell on what could have been. If only I had. If only I was able to do this. Initially, we say what's right. If only. You wonder, during this time period between the first group of messengers and the second group of messengers, if Balaam's sinful self is saying, gee, what if I had taken that money? What, what benefits would I have now? And that's the dangerous point. For then we start to look for some loophole, right? We look for some reasoning to ignore what God has made very clear. Some way that we can get out of this thing to satisfy our own selfish desires. Remember how the serpent said to Eve, Has God indeed said to you, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then he said, You will not surely die. And what's very clear, what the word from God that's so clear, all of a sudden we can start to question it as we don't want to listen to it. Look what happens here, verse 18. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, Though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God, Yahweh, to do less or more. Balaam answers right. And he knows it's true. He knows he's not the source. He knows he can't go beyond the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord controls Balaam the prophet, not vice versa, the way Balak thinks. He can't do more or less. Sounds good. It sounds very good. You sense that Balaam has this understanding of humility before Yahweh his God. But what we could say at this point, now that Balaam knows God's will, it shouldn't be a matter of whether I can or not. It should be a matter of whether I want to or not. Do I want God's will or do I want my will? Watch this. He answers correctly with a statement of truth in verse 18, but then, verse 19, Now therefore, please, you also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord Yahweh will say to me. Watch this. But stay here tonight. Dwell here in my house one more night, and I'll go before the Lord again. Does Balaam, who knows the Lord's will very clearly, kick them out of the house and say, no, no, I cannot go, I cannot curse, for they're blessed. Clear revelation from God, get out. He said the right thing, if you give me all the gold in the world, I can't do more than God allows me to do. But does he want God's will, or is he just constrained by his knowledge of God's power? God's not going to do anything, he's not going to use them if it's against his will. Why does he have them stay in that house? Because he's hoping. He's looking for the loophole. He's hoping God will say, go ahead. Because he likes the money. We're going to see he likes the power. He likes the honor. He likes the position. That I may know what the Lord will say to me. What, what more can be said? You shall not go. You shall not curse. They're blessed. 
So Balaam seeks God further. Now, I guess we could suppose that Balaam is conscientious, that he desires to get some precise details from Yahweh that will send along to Balak to bring Balak onto repentance, that Balaam has no desire to go himself. And I guess that's possible, but the future text that we'll read doesn't support it. Instead, Balaam is hoping God's will will be changed, that God's mind will be changed. And then he can rightly take the money, he can rightly take the honor, and he can rightly take the power that Balak offers. And we come to verse 20, which confuses many. And God came to Balaam at night and said to him, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. God gives Balaam the desire of his heart. He knows he wants to go, so go. Go with him. But the caution, the only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. We hope today's program was a blessing to you. We here at Sheer Jashub love to receive your notes of encouragement, or if you feel led of the Lord to financially support the Bible study outreach of our church, please send all correspondence and donations to Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Also, if you will be in the area, please join us for Sunday service. Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. in the upper room of the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take I-95 to exit 61. Go down to Route 1. Turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us for our next broadcast of Shia Jeshub.